Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I got him, Ballara. I just had dinner with the Obama, what did you do? Hop up on Twitter talking about the stuff you don't do. Rock off a lawn, shawty, cause that is what you gon' do. Sabiato, New Balance, some style. Third down and six, right up the gut. That is Gibson, and he is gone. Third of the ball game for the rookie Antonio Gibson. Farms at the farms, all you hear is oi. One time for BDR, we just try to see you out. I used to be with Nas, beating Murray City up. Why should you talk to one respect about it? Picked up, and Mullins fumbles the football. Washington has it back. Chase Young, they're chasing him down the sideline. And Chase Young has a Washington touchdown. I've been ungrateful, but thankful. I've been ungrateful, but thankful. Maybe I got it all too fast, too soon. Been living life, no feelings, no rules. And I've been trying to make it last, make it move. But I'ma hop in this point and knock a fool's What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Burgundy Network Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Josh Taylor. Joining me this afternoon is Adam Aniba from the Burgundy and Gold Report and Donovan White from the Capital Network. How are y'all doing, fellas? Good, excited to be here. Yeah, it's always awesome. great chopping it up, man. As always, this episode is brought to you by 500 Level, who specializes in officially licensed t-shirts like this Chase Young shirt that I love repping. <laughs> nice, nice. Check out 500level.com. Use our code BNP20. Doesn't matter the team, the season, the player. Check out their collection, and you can save 20% off by using our code. So, fellas, this afternoon, we're going to be talking about the draft. We are back to talk about the draft. Adam. Donovan, this is the most exciting time of the year, seems like, for Washington fans, as sad as it is. But um, one thing that I really reached out to uh, on Twitter is what do people want to hear about? And it seems like after the Super Bowl especially, people want to know about the linebacker core. So, Adam, I want to start with you. Let's take a look at Washington right now with our linebacker core. You know, we signed uh, KPL last year, who's actually a sneaky, underrated free agent signing for us. He's a free agent again this year. We only had him on a one-year deal. So first off, right off the bat, how important is it that we re-sign KPL for this linebacker core? I, I don't think it's imperative. I think there's you know a couple guys out there that might be more intriguing, but I could see him coming back. I don't think the the market's going to be really big for him, so I could see him coming back on another you know uh, prove it one year deal. Um, other than that, um, I don't think that you're going to look to him. You're he's a camp guy, so you're actually going to hope that maybe he gets beat out because I think right now the situation they have. They need coverage linebackers. If you just look at the division, what they're trying to build, what the NFL is going to, you know, Cole Holcomb, everyone's just giving up on him as that role. I can see him, you know, really progressing in that role this year. Um, but other than him, these guys are all coverage liabilities on the squad. So they have to, that to me, it's not just one uh, linebacker. It's, it's multiple linebackers with coverage ability. But uh, KPL, yeah, to me, that's just, that, that's, uh, just a depth signing right there if they bring him back. Yeah, I think coverage has been the big uh, problem for our, our whole core for a few years now. I feel like last year it was a lot better than I expected it to be. Um, you know, with John Bostic at his age, we didn't really know what to expect. Like you said, Cole Holcomb did a lot better than I thought he would. Um, definitely improved in the coverage game. But Donovan, if you look at this core right now, what's the one room for improvement for you? Yeah, I would I would 100% agree with coverage and athleticism. Um, and I hate to disappoint fans. 
But guys, Ruben Foster's not coming back. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for saying yeah. that. And someone tell me that, like, what about Ruben? I'm like, what about him? Oh, I'm not the guy to death, but yeah. There was reason to be hopeful, you know, early on, but I think that ship has sailed. Uh, and so I, I totally agree. It's coverage and athleticism. You know, when when you're when you're trotting out guys like Thomas Davis, who again is a great leader, all-time great player. I mean, honestly, but he's out there and you can see, I mean, you, it, it's different to see a sole linebacker, but to see like, oh my God, he is, I mean, he's just trotting back. It's bad. Um, so when you guys, when you have, when you're trotting out guys like that for significant snaps, you realize you have to have an upgrade in the athleticism department in the linebacker room. Yeah. And I think we can all agree that on every space in linebacker core, it can definitely improve. Cole Holcomb obviously has a spot on the team, but does KPL come back? And if so, what does that look like? Do we sign depth behind him? And John Bostic, we don't know what's going on with him. I mean, he could retire. Who knows? He's been in the league for so long. So to me, when I was really looking at this, I was like, all right, to me, it's middle linebacker. And then who could possibly take KPL spot if we uh, don't re-sign him? So right off the bat, um, the biggest note, you kind of brought up a little bit, Adam. Real quick, Micah Parsons, probably hands down one of the best linebacker prospects I've seen in a very long time. But you have this red flag with this off-the-field stuff. You mentioned it being a possibility that he slips. Is there any way that he even goes to 19? Because that would be a huge fall. This guy's projected top five. Yeah, I definitely think so. Because, you know, and I wrote, wrote about Tulsa's Zayvon Collins. I think he's quickly shooting up as the top linebacker in this draft just because he can just do so much more in coverage than Parsons can do. Parsons is, you know, he, he can't play that role. But, man, getting after the quarterback is what he does best. But I can see him slipping to 19 because we've just seen with – what teams are willing to deal with and what they're not. Um, again, I'll play the devil's advocate role here. Um, it wasn't a domestic dispute. Um, it wasn't against a female. It was against another teammate, I believe. Um, and again, depending on what you're going to believe, if there was a knife involved, if there was, you know, there was rumors that he grabbed her in the neck and the school just did nothing about it. Um, again, that's nothing good. Um, but what I am saying is Ron Rivera is a disciplinarian. And I have to give him the benefit of the doubt that if somehow he falls to 19 and he's there and they pull the trigger, that they know a lot that we don't because there's a lot that you know goes into scouting that we don't have access to. We don't have instant access to their coaches, to people that knew them, people that they worked for, the grocery store that they worked at you know, in high school. So these are the things that have to fall in line. But, man, if he slips to 19, you seriously have to consider you know, someone like him because that, that's a plug-and-play guy you put at your mic. And you can just you never have to take him off the field, set him on the edge, drop him in coverage. But again, uh, it'll be really questionable to see how much teams value that and how much teams are uh, you know concerned about the the potential off the field red flags. Yeah, I think if he fell to nineteen, that'd be one of the <laughs> the more surprising falls in in draft recent history. Um, like to me, when you you think about a player with off the field issues, like it just screams Dallas Cowboys, you know. Right. With all the guys that they've kind of you know taken in with you know trouble pass or off the field stuff and really just taking that over, I think they'll go more corner. Um, but I think you know teams will jump on Parsons. Yeah, I, I just don't see a way that he comes to us. Frankly, yeah. I mean nineteen is just too far for me. Um, yeah. So more realistic fit guys you just mentioned, Zayvon Collins. The more I watch this guy, the more I fall in love with how he plays the game. The linebacker spot has been one of my favorites just to watch. You know, growing up. That's what really got me into football is wide receivers and linebackers. And Zayvon Collins just screams just a true gritty, the, the linebacker you want. Like you think of the all-time greats, you think, you know, Zayvon Collins can fill that role. Like you said, the red shirt junior from Tulsa, 6'4", 260. 260 pounds, that's a, that's a lot of meat in one player. And that really brings me to a point 
that Matt Miller said he would move this guy not to a linebacker, but as an edge player. Donovan, how do you feel about that? Moving the Bronco Nagurski trophy, best defensive player, best linebacker in the nation, best everything, moving him from a linebacker to just a sole edge player. Yeah, I, I love Matt Miller. I really do. I think, but I think wasting that kind of talent. And by the way, he could probably be a, a good edge player in the NFL. I mean, he's got the size, strength, and athleticism to do it. But you're wasting so much talent. The fact that he's 260 pounds, 6'4", yet moves like he's 6'2 and 230 is is absurd. But he's big enough. He's strong enough. He's tough enough to take on, you know, linemen and running backs up in the middle in the box. And yet he can go out and cover tight ends and make, you know, make a huge stop. Uh, you know, for a few yard, for a few yards lost. I mean, he is a special talent. I mean, really, is. and he and he rose out of nowhere. I mean, it felt like it was out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, he is a special talent, and I and I hate to use the word waste, but I it would be a waste if you just moved him to edge player. I agree. And like you said, it really came out of nowhere. His only scholarship was from Tulsa, yeah. and it ended up just being the diamond in the rough for them. Uh, no one really saw it coming. But to me, he has the perfect blend of everything from size, strength, length, and play recognition. Um, and to me, he's the most dynamic linebacker in the draft. You know, some guys do one thing really well. To me, he does everything at a high level. There's not one thing really like, oh, he can improve on, you know, pass rushing. No, he's great at that. Coverage, uh, big play abilities. It seems like every time there's turnover on the field, Zayvon Collins is involved, whether it's stripping the ball or he's making interceptions. And Adam, you brought up a couple plays I went and watched myself where he's running back like 80 yard pick sixes. Uh, at, a, at a high level, what really stands out to you with Zayvon Collins that separates him from everybody else? His instincts and his eyes, because I, I've heard a couple people say, and again, I've had arguments about why he needs to be on the edge or why he doesn't. And like we, you know, we were saying that you know, putting him in one box, it, it's just not using him right, especially if you're going to get him, you know, top uh, for portion of first of the first round. Because every time I see him around the ball. An interception that takes place, it's usually a tip. It's usually, you know, um, he's got his eyes on the quarterback. Every time he's making that play, it's because of his eyes. It's because of his instincts. Be, being in the right place at the right time isn't luck when it comes in football, I believe. It can happen here and there, but I believe with four interceptions his final year there. This guy's an athletic freak. He just happens to be able to carry 260 well on his body. So a lot of people are turned off. I think if you put him at 230, 225, you know, with all due respect to guys like Matt Miller, they probably wouldn't even put him in that box. So yeah. it's, a, it, it's, it's a knock to some evaluators, but to me, I don't see him coming on the next level and that hurting him. I think there will be a couple teams that will probably get him down to the 250 range, but he's still going to run in that, you know, that 4-6 sub range. So I think that – when you have a guy like that that you don't have to take off the field, you put him at the mic and you don't look back. If you're a 3-4 team, you could do different things with him. But to me, his best fit is that 4-3 mic guy day one. Yeah, I agree. This guy just screams a true middle linebacker in the 4-3. Leader, can direct everything on the field. Um, and when you think about you know Ron Rivera, former linebacker, had Luke Keekley, he's had that leader. We don't have that yet on this court. I feel like Zayvon Collins would be that right away. I mean, you, you watch how the team just revolved around him throughout the season, and he's just dictating every play. He's, like, moving guys around, telling everyone where to go, like, hey, this is what's about to happen. He can read the play before it happens. So, me, Zayvon Collins at 19, if he falls there, we've talked about it. You know, my, my top two picks are probably Dareshaw from Tech and Zayvon Collins. If it's not one of those two, I'm kind of disappointed in our pick, quite frankly. Um, so, Zayvon Collins at 19, very likely. But another guy who's been brought up, probably one of the most controversial guys for the linebacker core air quotes for those listening mm. is jock from Notre Dame. Um, and you've seen this on Twitter. I've talked about it on Twitter, had many interactions. Adam, I know you have too. Um, the red shirts, uh, 
Redshirt junior from Notre Dame, 6'2", 216. Something to remember, 216 pounds. Is he really a linebacker? Donovan, I'll start with you. If you look at this guy transitioning to the next level, 216 pounds, are you comfortable starting this guy as a linebacker or do you have him somewhere else? You know, I, I've got concerns. I heard a quote, um, I, I believe it was from a form or from a current NFL scout. They said, you know, if this was 10 years ago, Jock would be a safety. Um, he'd come in and be a starting safety day one. Right. And so my concern is if you want to add 10 pounds to him, he's got to add, he's got to add weight. I don't think he can play in the box or consistently play, you know, around the box at 6'1, 6'2, 216. So I think you've got to add at least 10 pounds to him. And I'm worried that's going to take away his greatest asset, which is his speed and athleticism. Um, yeah. Now, I, do I trust Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio to find the right scheme for him if he was the pick in 19? I do. I do. I don't. I think they're well-established coaches who know how to not put players in bad positions that they're not ready for. That being said, there's only so much that the great that a you know a right scheme can do for you when it's you you one-on-one versus a six-four, two hundred thirty-pound, you know, two hundred forty-pound Derrick Henry. Right? I mean, there's only so much you can do. <laughs> yeah, I will say um, something Nate Coleman mentioned on Twitter was. Really, he's just like what another what Landon Collins would be, just a box safety for us if he was to come onto our team. So, Adam, I know you've really studied his film and have some um, thoughts on his game. Where do you see Jock at the next level? I know you don't see him as an inside linebacker. Where are you putting him at? Yeah, you know, he, he he's that sub-package guy. I don't Even that dime linebacker, yeah. it's a stretch. Like you said, a couple years ago, this guy is, to me, he's a strong safety. Um, he can do enough in coverage, but you know he can do enough around the line of scrimmage. But he does he does neither you know well or great. So I, I keep seeing these evaluations that have him in the top twenty five. I, I just don't get it. I have at least two or three linebackers right now that I'm going against. You know the the, the normal rankings, which I you know I tend to be kind of fall in line with TDN, but TDN has him really high. They have him as yeah one of their, fourteen. You know, yeah, and I I just don't see it. I think he's a sub package player. I think if you talk about adding some weight, I think you can lose. He can lose some explosiveness. So, you know, we're not talking about 10, 15 pounds. You're talking about more like 20, 25 pounds to be, you know, a m- potential Mike. Um, I just don't see it with him. So again, I look at him as more as a tweener sub package guy, and I don't think you take that in the first round personally. Yeah, I agree with both of y'all. Like, what what really just stands out for him is his quick instincts. Um, he can, you know, defend any wide receiver. He can defend any tight end. You know, he showed big plays, great play recognition. It's just it's really hard. You kind of think about last year with Isaiah Simmons. Right. Adam, would you really compare him to Isaiah Simmons like that same thing? Or is it just another guy with, you know, so many different positions he could play, but not really one solid one where he just falls into? No, I think you saw with Isaiah Simmons later on in the year, they started figuring out like where to use him. I think they're two totally different kind of guys. And I think with Simmons, I think the sky's the limit. I think you could do a lot more. Um, I'm still on the fence with this kid because I think you have to have a plan for him. If you put him in your system, um, it really has to be like a nickel defense because I don't see where he's going to be in a traditional 4-3 and definitely not any kind of 3-4. So, you know, the fact that, you know, teams are a nickel, what, 70-plus percent of the time, people would argue, well, that plays to his strength. I think you have to be more of a situation where he's protected by the guys in front of him. He's actually, to a point, protected by the corners and other DBs. I just think with a guy like this, you really have to have a plan and I'm still early in the evaluation, but again, I, we're going to talk about a guy in a minute uh, that I think is way better than him. And we're talking about a difference of 15, 20 pounds, but similar height. So it's not only about how they, you know, carry that weight. It's how their, their NFL build is. And he doesn't have an NFL build as a Mike linebacker, in my opinion. 
Yeah, um, the Draft Network actually has his ideal role as a base 4-3 Will linebacker, um, three-down defender who may move to box safety in some packages. So kind of like what we've been saying. Um, but, you know, with his coverage skills, I could absolutely see him as like a Will backer, but more of like that box safety role. Yep. To me, it's just you really have to figure out like how much risk is it going into taking a guy, especially that high. If you were to get him at like 19 or 20, I don't think he fits Washington at all, to be honest. Right, right. Like you said, I feel like we have that in uh, Landon Collins, possibly Cam Kroll. Um, that's something that Nate brought up. And I was like, I really went back and watched that. I'm like, I absolutely see it. Like, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do with Landon Collins right now. Right. It would possibly be the same exact role that Jock yeah. is going to be looking for on the team. So for me, it doesn't really make sense that he comes Washington. We're looking for a guy like Zayvon Collins who can come in, middle linebacker, just take over the defense and be that true linebacker. Another interesting guy that was mentioned a good bit on Twitter. Someone I've watched a little bit, not too much. Um, obviously, being in the SEC, gotten to see him play a couple times. That's Nick Bolton, Jr. from Missouri, six foot, 232. From what I've seen from this guy just right off the bat, sure tackler, heavy hitter. He puts fear in people when he's coming to hit you. Like That's the one thing. Like, you know exactly where he is at all times because – if you're doing like little shallow under cross routes as like a tight end or wide receiver, you're like, all right, where's Bolt? Because I, I'm not going to catch this thing if he's he anywhere it. in five yards within me. Donovan, what have you seen from Nick Bolton so far? Have you really watched a lot of him? And what's your thoughts? Yeah, I first noticed him in the Alabama game where, you know, Alabama blew him out, but he still showed out, you know, the kind of first round, you know, day one, day two prospect that he's, that he's showing out to be. And he's instinctual. Like you said, uh, he is a heavy hitter. He's the leader of that defense. He's not great in coverage. He's not as good as Zayvon Collins in coverage or Micah Parsons, obviously, but he can pre- be protected a little bit uh, in coverage with a more zone scheme. He doesn't always need to be man on man to man. Um, he is the guy that I think would fit well in the middle of the defense. I don't know about at 19, uh, but if there was a trade back scenario, I'd be, I'd be more than happy with that. Um, even in 19, it wouldn't be the most disappointing pick in the world. I, we've all certainly seen more disappointing picks in the first round than that. Yeah, right now, Draft Network has him as the 31 overall uh, player in the draft. Um, you're going to see some guys fall. I could see a guy like a linebacker when you start getting wide receiver heavy. Um, you start getting these quarterbacks, you know, people start reaching, coming back. So I could actually actually see him falling to like early second. I don't know if he'd be there for us at like the 51 range. Um, but if he would be, that'd be a no-brainer, in my opinion. If you go like wide receiver, offensive tackle, at 19, then a guy like this falls to you. Um, like you said, I agree with you. Can improve a little bit in his coverage, it seems like. Um, he mostly needed to improve on his angles. He could overshoot sometimes. There's no such thing as being too aggressive. If you're you know, going through the gaps, trying to stop the run, the runner, the ball carry, whoever, you can kind of overshoot, get a little too aggressive, and just let big plays happen. So I saw that a little bit. Um, but the ideal role for Draft Network has him as a starting Mike linebacker right off the gate. They think he can come in and do that. So I agree. Um, it kind of helps, you know, with your coverage when you hit as hard as you do as Nick Bolton. Uh, people, like I said, people just don't want to get hit by you like that. And uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. There's a guy that I haven't really seen too much that I want to rely on y'all. I'll admit Cameron McGrone from Michigan. Haven't seen him too much. Probably just because I hate Michigan. Donovan, I know you're not <laughs> but I'll respect game. Talk me into this guy. Like I said, I don't know too much about him. I know y'all have looked a little bit at him. So, Donovan, I'll start with you. Sell me on Cameron at pick 51. If I'm Ron Rivera and you're like, we need this guy, what are you telling me? Well, I'll be honest. I'm telling you, if I'm talking to Ron Rivera, I'm saying, hey, he's from Michigan. Don't don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, a little, look a little more south and east down into Ohio. 
But, you know, he is a guy that you, you know he's going to be well coached under Don Brown's defense um, for all the troubles they have uh, later in the season. But he is a guy that I think is he's smart. Um, he does have some good instincts to him. Um, he's Again, he's not going to be the, the all-around linebacker in terms of excelling in coverage. Um, but he, I think he is a solid prospect that I don't know if I would reach in the second round. Um, Adam, you may feel differently, but he is a guy that I would be confident in in using one of those third round picks on um, if we didn't address linebacker in the first or second round. I mean, absolutely. Adam, what's your thoughts? How you um, yeah. react to what Don said? Yeah, I agree. Um, he hit on pretty much every point. Um, maybe third. I think you get the best value if somehow he falls to that second, third round pick even better value in the fourth. Cause again, I think a lot of people are looking for that, just that starting Mike, but they need more than that. So, you know, if you can get that, you know, you have Cole Holcomb, you have, um, you know, let's say you can get a guy like Zayvon Collins. Um, if you can get him like in the fourth round, um, you really started to solidify a weakness with your team. My concerns with him is the number of games, 19 total games. Uh, I saw he was really ball. young. Yeah, uh, really young. Um, was not exposed to coverage. That's my concern. So I can only go off what I see. That's why I've seen the evaluations of, you know, third. I've even seen some as late as second. I can't do that. If I don't see any kind of, co you know, real coverage tape out there, I'm going to try to dig into some high school. That's what I try to do if I can't find much. But right now, like I said, you're getting value in the fourth, third you're reaching. Um, I could think of a lot of wide receiver guys I'd probably go through in that third round range before I'd go him. But that's the range that most have him in. But again, fourth round, that's a steal. He's a project, though. Yeah, that's what I'm getting out of it. Just a young, raw guy project has all the you know physical attributes you're looking for still newer to the game just really needs to be molded by the right coaching possibly run of like i said former linebacker so this really leads me to um there's there's two other guys i'll i'll start with this two other guys at 51 that i'm really looking at ahead of cameron um two guys that i know adam for sure loves one and i'm pretty high on the other one even though he went to a rival school of ours adam and I'll, I'll start with Chas Surratt. Yeah. Obviously the brother of Sage. This guy has such an interesting story. He came to North Carolina as a quarterback, like pretty highly recruited quarterback. Um, then he got suspended. If y'all remember for selling their shoes, their Jordan shoes, like four or five players got in trouble for it. Um, it was like a really weird thing. They got suspended like four or five games for it, I think. Then he came back, injured his wrist, had season-ending uh, surgery. And then he came back and he's getting beat out. Like his, his spot was already taken. And he really went to the coaches and were like, look, what's my role in this team? Like I might have to transfer. Like I, I don't have a spot on this team anymore. And Mac Brown, one of the best coaches of all time in college, doesn't get enough respect, came to him and said, look, let's move you to a linebacker spot. Sure enough, he did that. In his first season, he became first team all ACC and he was runner up for ACC defensive player of the year. First time ever playing linebacker. Like, that's nuts. First season finished in 2019 with 115 tackles, two or 600 or 6.5 sacks, sorry, one forced fumble, one interception, and 15 tackles for loss. This guy was like a complete backer, too. It wasn't like a, oh, I'm just good at coverage. Oh, I'm just going to rush the quarterback kind of thing. He took over that linebacker spot very well. Like, he was just pretty, pretty good at everything. Adam, I know you've broken this guy down a good bit. What jumps out with, with uh, Chas Surratt, and how surprised are you at that jump from quarterback to linebacker? You you hear it, you see it. You know, there's a lot of guys that make that uh, that transition, but like you said, to do it that quickly and have that kind of production in the ACC, um, 
you know, you got to give a lot of credit to the coaches, but you, from everything I've read about him, the stories, things like that, uh, this is a guy, he's a student of the game. So if anything that I'm going to, you know, go away from this guy is he's a student of the game and his ability and coverage, I think not necessarily answers what Washington needs per se. Um, I think he's got room to grow there. He's shown definite sparks. He's a sideline to sideline, you know, linebacker. And that's exactly what they need. I love the idea of pairing two Tar Heel linebackers together, though. Um, but, you know, I think that, that yeah, I think it, it, it's it's not really given as much credit as it said that the whole Alabama connection. Chase Young was the missing piece, but that that was a big deal. You know, unfortunately, we didn't get to see what Ruben Foster would have done. Um, I think that that him in conjunction with Anderson would have been a big deal. But I think you have two guys like that from North Carolina. I think that makes a ton of sense. If uh, somehow, you know, you get the dream scenario, like I've been mentioning in my last article with Levon David, if somehow you compare him, Cole Holcomb, and Chaz Surratt, you've got three guys that are interchangeable for the most part. and can jump back and forth in that mic at times if you need. So Surratt, he, he's definitely that, you know, that day two, that third round range. If he's, you know, a lot of people are talking about the second round and I think he's good enough to go there. But again, real value, that first third round pick for Washington, if you can get him there, that's awesome value because I think that first uh, pick that they have in the second round might be a little too high for him. Simply based, it's just it's it's only two years of that position, so that scares me a little bit to be a first or second round. I want to see a little more from that. But if you're just going to project it alone, hell yeah, he's a second round. But uh, that value is in the third round, and he's going to be an awesome pro when it's all said and done, though. Yeah, that's the one thing I really wrote down was you just have to remember how new to the position he is right. and how quickly he took over. Only two seasons, and he's already possibly late second-round pick, early right. third-round guy, and he's only played the position for two years. Right. In 2020, he was really just polishing his game up, absorbing all the information he was getting from his coaches, just learning that position and getting league ready. And he didn't miss a beat last season, to be honest. So Chas Rott, one of the more interesting guys. Um, you just don't see – you see it, like you said, you see guys transition, but you don't see it go that well. So it just tells you, like, he loves the game. He's plugged in. He, he can learn. He's – you know, on with everything you say, if you tell him to do this, he's going to listen to you. He literally changed his whole career path just because Mike Brown said, look, trust me, this is what this is what's going to happen. We're going to move you to linebacker and watch what happens. And sure enough, he's easily one of the top linebackers in the draft. So this guy, I hate to do it, LSU kid, Jabril Cox, Beast. phenomenal athlete, started three seasons at North Dakota State and then said, you know what? Guys in the draft might say, oh, I didn't play against any competition. So last year, I'm going to LSU, playing with the big boys in the SEC. And sure enough, he didn't skip a beat. Donovan, Jabril Cox jumps off to me when I'm watching him play, even though he went to LSU. It pains me. <laughs> and I'll pick an Auburn guy later, and I'm sorry. Guys, I got the Auburn. I mean, now they went to the back, so all is forgiven. But Donovan, what jumps out to you with Jabril Cox, and why do you think he'd be a good fit in Washington? It's definitely, again, what we talk about where we're lacking in the linebacker core. It's its athleticism, his athleticism and his coverage ability. Um, I, I believe he's about 6'4", about 6'4", 230. Um, yeah. So he's got the length. Um, I, I, he, he might be a little lean to be, you know, uh, played too far off, too, too far much in the, in the box. But that being said, his coverage speed and his, his athleticism uh, make up for that. Um, he and he's a guy that I mean he again he showed at North Dakota State but he showed out um, as much as I hate to admit it I'm not an SEC homer but he showed out in the SEC and there's a ton of talent in the SEC and the fact that he was able to transition that easily learned two defenses right and and basically you know a year and a half two years time 
should tell you a lot about a how you know instinctual and smart this guy is. But again, added on top of the fact that he's that athletic, I think he'd be a good fit. Um, I don't like him in the second round. Um, may, maybe one of those third round picks if, again if we don't get a linebacker in the first or second. Yeah, for me, he would be the guy that would replace KPL if we don't resign him. Even if we do, I mean, how long is KPL going to be around for? Ideally, right. maybe one more right. year. So to me, I would still draft a guy like this to pick 74 and let him just, you know, compete with KPO. I mean, you don't know how he's going to perform. He could take over that starting spot right away. And even if he doesn't, you have him for when KPL moves on after his next contract, if he even gets one. Um, so for me, he, uh, in his zone coverage, or, I mean, he did really well in man and zone coverage. So it wasn't look like he was stuck to anything, but we don't really have that in our linebacker court right now. We don't have like that fast chase down guy. Like I said, our coverage was better last year, but it could definitely get even better next season. But I just feel like we're a little stiff. I mean, you talk about Bostic, how old he is, and the same with KPL. Like, we can improve. So for me, I feel like a guy like that who can cover tight ends and wide receivers, he'd be a great wool linebacker for us on that outside, um, something that we've been begging for, hoping Ruben Foster could have been. But as we said, don't see that coming back. And um, third-round picks, like I said, we have two of them. So you really have to think – how much flexibility do you have to get a guy in the third round like that? So I think it's definitely a possibility. And then these guys that I have written down for some later round picks. So say we get a big free agent name. We don't need to go all in on the linebacker early. You know, Zayvon Collins would be nice, but say someone else drafts him early. We miss out on some of these top guys. There's still some good late round value. Drops off a little bit. There's a couple names that we uh, kind of wrote down. And y'all wrote down some I didn't think of. And then y'all said them. I'm like, dang, you're right. He's actually a pretty good guy. Someone I've been raving on since the senior bowl was Baron Browning from Ohio State. So I picked an Ohio State guy. Donovan, I know you'd be happy. Senior from Ohio State, 6'3", 241. To me, I don't see him as a middle linebacker guy. I see him as a will linebacker also. I don't think he has that play recognition and instinct before the play to really direct a, a defense. I feel like he needs to you know, be kind of molded a little bit more, but he's so good in coverage and just his measurements, he's just a physical freak. It's everything you want in a linebacker in the NFL. He has all these traits, but he's just still trying to figure things out. He's, tr- he's still trying to get everything to start clicking. But if he can get in the right defense and you have a guy like David Collins, you have a leader on the defense, he can be a phenomenal addition to that piece. Like I said, if KPL doesn't come back, you have a guy like this who over time could possibly be a starter. Um, to me, I just loved his measurements. You can't teach that. That's something you – uh, learning the scout academy it's not everything but there's just some things that you can't make there's some things you can't learn that's your size and your physical talents adam who's a guy you're looking at in that fourth round range possibly late fourth maybe into the fifth um like i said we mentioned cameron mcgall earlier that that was a guy i like but you know to go you know even a deeper dive you know you mentioned um Jabril cox that that's a guy i love but you know if you want to start to go even deeper um Unfortunately, when we start to get later, you start to get into more of the, you know. Uh, special teams guys. The special teams, strong side linebacker guys. Um, but Riley Cole, um, he's my small school guy in South Alabama. Um, he's he's definitely serviceable in coverage. He's a developmental guy. But, man, 6'2", 245, this guy is solid. He was a senior bowl. They were, Jim Nagy was raving about him. So I think he's a guy that uh, we're talking about late, you know, around now. But I think. He's the kind of guy I can see can jump up into maybe that late fifth, early sixth round, you know, because you're going to start to see him surrounded with a bunch of guys that are pure developmental guys. I think he's your plug and play special teams ace with a lot of upside to, you know, maybe see the field at some point, you know, being as a backup linebacker. But um, 
when you start to get after that third round, I think you're going to see a significant dip in guys that are, you know, that you're able to put as plug and plays or, you know, Mike. So um, if you could find a guy like that, Riley Cole, this late in the draft that you could put on, you know, the strong side or most likely the, you know, the weak side, you know, you pull the trigger on that. Like, cause I, like I said, Washington doesn't need one. They need one, two, three. They need a couple because I don't really see them having much right now. That's a huge weakness for this team. I agree with you. Raleigh Cole was someone I honestly never heard of until the senior bowl. And I was like, all right, South Alabama guy, like they're playing at his home stadium. He's going to be hyped up. I'm not going to put too much into it. And then sure enough, this guy was making sure tackles all over the field during the game on Saturday. And it was like back to back to back. It was like Raleigh Cole again, wrapped up in the middle. Like he just, I feel like that's something that we didn't do too well last year. It's not getting talked about enough is our ability to tackle, especially in the run game. We let some big, big runs go. I mean, you remember like uh, Hyde in the Seattle game, busting some long runs. I feel like that's something we don't have like that guy who can just cut up in between blocks, get those shirt tackles, cut off the edge. Cole Holcomb, not too bad at it. I feel like he's you know pretty good at it, but I feel like he could definitely get better. And like I said, special teams guys. Do you think Riley Cole, did he play special teams at South Alabama or would he translate to special teams at the next level? Or Yeah, early on that, that was his role, but he quickly became the leader of that squad. And, you know, of course, they once you do that, your special teams get limited. But I think when you come from the small school level, you know, you can't be, um, you know, cocky enough to think that that's not how you get your ticket. But I think that I've heard enough reports. I've seen enough, you know, small school sites that I talked to that are really raving about him as one of their guys. But this doesn't isn't the year with without the combine, without a lot of that. We're missing an opportunity to see these guys. You know, the senior bowl is one thing, but when you get to the combine, it, it's a totally different level. So I think that it really would have helped him early on. So there's going to be a lot more projection. And I think when you talk about checking the boxes with the size, 6'2", six, 2 six, two and a half, 245, that's going to appeal. When you start to get into that fifth, sixth round where teams having those uh, compensatory picks, you know, there's going to be teams that have three, four uh, fifth-round picks. You know, I, I definitely see him going a lot earlier than expected because he's a guy that could come in and just, you know, be moved around early on and lead your special teams, especially if that's a weakness on your squad. Yeah, you saw Khalid Hudson start out in special right. teams, mm-hmm. you know, earn some respect and had more of a, a role on the defensive side. Right. Um, for me, I had K.J. Britt, hate to do it, Auburn guy, but when I was watching the Senior Bowl, it seems like he was the guy with a lot of energy on the defense. It was just a guy that everyone was always around. Someone did a big play, he was the first one there dancing and celebrating with them and just got the whole team hyped up. Six foot, 239, a little short, um, but still good size, good frame. Um, like you said, he's a special teams player to me. Um, he has a lot of energy. Like I said, people can get around him. He needs to work on his coverage. He needs to work on his tackling. Sometimes he can let the offensive lineman you know, overtake him a little bit. Not too good at you know getting in the tackles and just filling in those gaps and uh, getting the ball carrier. But still, when you start talking about the late round guys, like you said, this is all special teams guys who could possibly you know turn out to be even better than what you thought. So for me, I just KJ Britt stood out a lot, and I was like, dang on it. Even though he went to Auburn, uh, he just always was there, always getting people hyped up, and just having a good time at the Senior Bowl, really soaking up the moment. So Donovan, who's one guy you're looking at later round possibly for Washington? Yeah, I, I really like Charles Snowden if his medicals clear out. Um, I think he's got wah, the wah. Wah. He's got the uh, yeah, and he's got the uh, he's got the athleticism. Um, and he, I mean, he just when you look at him, he's a freak. I mean, he's, he's huge. big. Um, yeah. If his medicals check out, I think he'd be a good later round pick. One guy I have been, you know, again at Ohio State. I'll be honest, there wasn't neither one of these two tough Borland or Pete Werner that I like much over their career. 
career. But Pete Werner has been growing on me a little bit. Um, one great quote about him that I read was every year. Now, part of this was they had, you know, guys like uh, Rayquan McMillan get out of there, uh, you know, uh, Malik Harrison get out of there. They moved him closer and closer to the ball every year that he played there. And he played, I mean, since he was uh, basically a true sophomore. Um, he's not great in coverage, but he is a leader. He's instinctual. He can tackle. Um, and we and I, I we've seen that at Ohio State. He's a guy I think some people are projecting him a little too high. Um, I've seen people putting him as high as the late second round, early third round, which I think is way too high. Um, oh, yeah. But somewhere there in the fifth round, I don't think that's a bad value pick. I really don't. He's a guy that can play special teams. And he's a guy who can be kind of a rotational backup and maybe, maybe, um, if he figures out some coverage skills, can be a guy who could maybe be a starter uh, one day in Washington. Yeah, I would take Werner over Tough Borland for sure. I've been digging into him a little bit, and Werner's kind of grown on me a little bit too um, as a later round guy. There's no way I would take him as high, like like what you were saying. Um, so, if you say best case scenario, Adam, if you're in that draft room, Ron says, "Look, we need we need a linebacker in this draft." Where do you see your best value? Who is your pick? Who is like your must-have for Washington to make this defense go over that top of the hill? You know, we got this D-line's playing well. Cam Curl's holding mm-hmm. down the secondary. Say we got Darby coming back. Secondary straight. We just don't know what that linebacker core looks like. If you had to pick one guy that we talked about based off of value and also just straight-up talent on Washington's team, who has the best fit? You know, I, I'll keep coming back to Zayvon Collins because we talked about other guys. You know, we didn't get to uh, – with Bolton, I, I, I'm I about to have an uh, article about on him. I call him the party crasher. That's what I love about him. You know, anytime there's scrum, there's anything going on, he, he's a true rugby kind of guy. But, you know, when you talk about what Washington is missing, it's that Mike. And the more and more I see it, the more I find it hard to believe that Zayvon Collins will slip. But with all the quarterback-needy teams – teams in an offensive lineman, some of these receivers, Kyle Pitts, tight ends, I could see them going up. So to me, you get him, I think you can get away with a lot of the other things that they have going on at safety and corner, maybe plug a couple guys um, for the time being. But if you have that middle linebacker to play coverage, you can let loose up front. So a guy that's that big, 6'4", 260, when it gets tough and you go against those teams that really want to pound it out, man, that's the guy you leave on the field. You know, I question some of these other guys, you know, we talked about Cox, you know, I have seen him get lost in the wash constantly. I'd be concerned to see him against a running team. But Collins, I have zero doubt that this guy is going to be an all-pro on the next level. I agree with you. The more, like I said, the more I watch David Collins, the more I was like, first off, I don't want to play against him. Yeah. Second off, I would do anything to have him on the team. And when you're talking about fits, for me, Zavin and Nick Bolton in that middle linebacker role, it, it seems like that would be the best way to go. There's some options for Will linebackers, like I said, you know, Chas Rot, maybe Jabril Cox, um, maybe some late round guys like Baron Browning. But to me, just for what we need in the team, I'm just I'm dying for that one real guy, that London Fletcher that we haven't had in so long. I'll even go back to like LeVar Arrington, just that one predator on the on the linebacker core that'll just take over and change his defense. And he, he might have the easiest role, honestly. You have that front four All right. doing the work for you. You don't have to worry about you know rushing the passer much. But Zayvon Collins can do it all. Yeah. You know, if you if, if you want him to get to the passer, do it. If you want him to drop back in coverage, get you interceptions, he's gonna do it. Donovan, what's the perfect pick for you? Yeah, I think when we it, it's definitely between Zayvon Collins and Nick Bolton. I think uh, it's not a perfect comparison, but you know, it, it, second round value, if if Nick Bolton was there would be right. I think best value in the draft this 
the, the, the decision between those two, if they were both available, it reminds me of the, you know, the debates we heard last year. Well, we already have, you know, you know, I know Chase Young is going to be this all pro player, but can't we get a good edge player in round two? who's going to be good. Right. right. David yeah. Collins is an elite talent. I'm with you both. Um, I think he would be the guy in the first round if he's there, unless, you know, uh, one of the top, top wide receivers fall, right. Or one of the right. top, any of the top quarterbacks falling. Um, but if some crazy scenario like that happened, he is the guy that I think if he's there, we should take. He can put the defense over the top. Um, again, like you both said, kind of hide some of his issues we might have, you know, at, back there at safety, you know, opposite Cam Curl. Um, he, he's a Swiss Army knife. He can do it all. I really like him a lot. Yeah, I, I have to say, just I have a feeling the draft can go absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. You don't know who's going to trade up and just go complete all in on quarterbacks. Right. Same with wide receivers and stuff like that. I can see Zayvon Collins falling in 19. We're just like, that really just happened? Kind of right. like with Montez Sweat. We're just like, did he really just fall to us? Right, right. That's we a great to, point. Montez yeah, we didn't Sweat have to trade up for him. Right. They were talking about how, um, well, I hate to bring him up, but Jay Gruden was talking about how they wanted him at 15 when they took Haskins. They're like, oh, shoot, he, he fell to us. Like, that's why we traded up to get Sweat because we're surprised at how far he fell because teams are getting offensive needy. Right. Talking about quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends, like I said, with Pitts. He's up there with – the wide receivers so it just really depends on what happens with the draft but i think we'll all agree we all got to jump off the jock train <laughs> i don't think he's coming to washington and uh, i think for good reason i just don't think he fits and if you draft a player like that people people don't really think too much about scheme they say oh well, this guy's good at this he's good at that like he did really well in notre dame but how would he fit on a team like this like with our 4-3 defense just a true traditional 4-3 defense where would he be where would he fit we would, we would have him. We would have Landon Collins. We're just kind of like stuck saying, all right, these are high talents, but where do they go? Where do they fit to actually excel? Right. And your left kind of is like, well, we took him in 19. Like, we need to make it work. So, to me, Jock is not a question. I know Nate will be happy to hear this because he's all in on like, do not talk about this guy as a linebacker. <laughs> right. And I agree with him. Sub-package 100%. guy, box safety, does everything really well, but just doesn't fit what we're trying to do. Um, and I'll agree with Nick Bolton, another guy, middle linebacker that could just come in and be that sure tackler, but still great in coverage. You talk about Chase Young, you know, hard hitting, just always after the ball. Nick Bolton could be that in the linebacker core. So for me, if he's there in the second, and then you have some third round solid picks. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens because if someone, like you said, falls, like if Pitts falls in nineteen, mm. you have to you have, you have to do that. <laughs> That's or the one biggest top, Mary ever, I think. Yeah. yeah. That dude is a stud. <laughs> but then we have four, we have four picks in the first three rounds, so you really have to think later round values. I know that's something me and Adam hit hard on last season. Is people are like, well, our defense is good. Like, why do we need to take a linebacker at nineteen? Get a wide receiver, draft Mac Jones. Like, build up the offense. It is all about best player available. Right. And to me, Zayvon Collins is a once in a lifetime linebacker you could draft. You're not going to see him next year. You're not going to see a linebacker like him the year after that to be honest with you. Put him in right away, and this defense gets even better. So, fellas, it was a pleasure talking linebackers. Was there any honorable mentions? I'll throw Dylan Moses out there because Donovan <laughs> White called me out on it. Love Dylan Moses. Just don't don't really know where he fits, especially post-injury. Right. Uh, he had a pretty rough season. PFF said he had a pretty decent season for you know coming off injuries, but I don't agree. I think he had a pretty rough season. I'm not sure where he goes. Was there any kind of dark horse out there that y'all are looking for that we didn't mention? 
no one that stuck out stuck out in my mind. Monty Rice was a was a late round guy. Again, I don't know if he can be yeah. much more than a, a backup or a good special teamer, but he's a guy that stuck out a little bit as a late late round pick. Yeah, yeah the, I agree. The, the guys for me, you know, when you start getting into the discussion after after the, in my opinion, I know I'm missing a guy or two because I'm not perfect going through every position, but I think for the most part, after these guys, you're talking about pure developmental day three um, for what Washington is trying to do. I think there's a lot of three, four guys. That you can get, you know, if you're running that three, four, you know, second, third round, you can find some definite starters in there. Um, but for what Washington's running up front, um, Zayvon Collins, Bolton, to me, you know, and then we, we talked about Mika Parsons, you know, to me, those are the three guys that fit perfect in this class. So if you don't get one of those, you, you go a different direction or, you know, I'm, I'm a big opponent for trading back in, the, in any of the rounds because I think this is a draft where you could fill so many needs and, um, if you don't have one of these blue chip like Zayvon Collins, because 19 is a tough spot. There is a possibility, you know, that first 18 picks, they're going to be left with third tier, fourth tier, a lot of positions. So um, we'll see what happens. But I, I think, like you said, with so many offensive needy teams, someone's going to fall. If it's Zayvon yeah. Collins, oh, yeah. if it's Parsons. Um, I, again, it is early for Bolton 19, but don't be surprised if, if there's going to be a team that not takes them before 19, but if Washington passes, We'll take him right after there because I can see him as a great fit with Chase Young. But I, I'm I'm with um, Donovan. 19's a little rich for me. I like him. But I'd feel a lot better if that's a trade back into the you know mid to late 20s. But um, I'm cool with him as a late first round as opposed to even a, a early second. Early second is great value for Bolton. But there's some guys, and again, this free agent class that we've got a couple guys that are going to be available. So they're going to have to upgrade the, their biggest position of need on defense, in my opinion. Yeah, a lot's going to come from free agency, which starts soon. You can start tagging players on Tuesday, so that's really going to you know, start the foundation for free agency coming up. So I feel like that's what's really going to dictate everything. But I agree. Earlier rounds seems like the better value and better talent for Washington. Late round guys don't really excite me too much. So, Ron, if you're listening, Zayvon Collins at 19, no-brainer. I'll call it in. Doesn't matter. Let me know. I'll be there. But, guys, like I said, it was a pleasure chopping it up and we'll be back soon next sunday i'm actually sitting down with austin watkins jr wide receiver from uab and hopefully jalen darden soon i'm trying to get him on so we will see but we'll talk draft with y'all but fellas see y'all later hey have a go on have a great night i've been a great football thing for maybe i got it all too fast too soon living like no friends no rules i've been trying to make it last make it move make it but I'ma hop in this point and like a fool. Excuse me, I've been having a grateful I'm thankful. I've been a grateful I'm thankful. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.